Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Main Point, which is being recorded on a Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday, uh, February 23rd, 2022, uh, day after Tuesday. Yesterday was the was 2 um, and uh, my, my daughter made a big deal out of that. She, yeah. was, you know, she was telling me that... Um, Apparently, a lot of people made a big deal about yeah, it. Yeah, well, you know, the reason why is because um, the... So, if you won't have, in any of our lifetimes, um, another year, that, another year that ends in 22, where uh, it falls on a Tuesday, like this 22nd falls on a Tuesday, uh-huh. it won't happen again. That, 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 like, some, some guy did an algorithm on it, and it's like billions of years, in, or even more than billions of years, before you're going to get another 2-22-22 on a Tuesday. Like even if you go a hundred years, like from like the next to it, it, it twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, yeah, it won't it won't fall on a it won't fall on a on a Tuesday. So what happened yesterday with two twenty two twenty two won't happen again on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday, no, it, it's. I actually saw on Instagram this one baby was born at two twenty two p.m. on yesterday. Oh, okay, so, really? Wow. Yeah, so it was. Uh, you want to talk about a lucky kid? Right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one else will care, but that kid will care for the rest of the. Oh, life. oh yeah, that kid will care. Right? That's market fame. I mean, that's like that's the first conversation starter. Always, you <laughs> always got something to lead with. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So anyway, yeah. So this is the day after Tuesday. Um, it's uh, like for uh, Mike being born on. Uh, February leap year, leap yeah. year, right? I feel sorry for the leap year babies. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, anyway, I'm Jonathan Hendricks. I'm associate pastor here uh, at Rosa Sharon Baptist. I'm joined by uh, Jeremiah Custer and uh, Blake Blincham, both of these guys in the house with me today, and uh, we're excited to be here to kind of uh, do what we do here on a Monday Main Point, which is kind of go over the Sunday message together. Um, I'm in the middle, guys, of this uh, sermon series on, from First John on, on what's different, uh, talking about the the, the, trans, the the transformation or the, the differences that the transforming work of Christ brings about in, in, in Christians, and um, uh, we've been talking about a, a number of those differences. And this week, um, it, it's funny, John John's message goes from um, I think his the first part of his, of his message. You won't call it that. Is all about how God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. And so there's this lots of discussion about um, righteous versus unrighteous, good versus you know evil, just versus unjust, and and how the Christian needs to walk as he walked. And then you get all those all, all the all the language about obeying commandments and things like that, right? And we talked about at length about all that and about identity and, and such. Now with with this. With this part, John kind of switches gears a little bit. He's already he's prefaced this before this point, but now he's gonna he's gonna switch into um, that God is love, right? And, and this idea that God being a loving God uh, and, uh, and having an intimate connection with His people, and that His people then therefore should be loving people. And so now we're gonna move into ta- language about love. And even when we look this coming week at um, I'm really looking in particular, just a very small path, group of, of verses, um, but on 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 the spirit and being guided by a, or being guided by a different guide or or, having, or following a different guide. Um, 
even in that language, you could say, well, isn't that really still going back to the whole light versus dark thing? Yeah, but not when you consider that, that the intimacy, right, that you get between the, the believer and, and the Spirit of God and how, um, how he is intimately guiding us. So there's, there's that, again, to me, there's that connection with love there more than anything else. But let's talk about uh, this past week where we were talking about um, um, living out a different love. And I think, Jeremiah, you said at the beginning uh, of this, uh, before we started recording, that this moves a bit more into the practical. And I, and I would agree with you. Um, in fact, I wanted to be very cautious when I was uh, preaching this message that I still made, you always want to not make room, but you always want to make the gospel preeminent, right? I mean, you, the gospel should be pri- have priority, even when we're doing messages that are, uh, focus more on discipleship and and being good disciples of Christ. Uh, we need to still have the gospel be prominent, and I, I think that even in this passage it is. And I, I think I I, I I talked about Jesus being our example, and in that part of that, we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Um, uh, that uh, I think there's room there to talk about the gospel. But I open this up because John opens it up this way. Um, and with, with saying um, that um, your brother is not your enemy. Um, and again, if, you, uh, if you're following along, this is uh, the, the text was from 1 John 3, 11 through... Um, uh, Did you finish the chapter? Yeah, well, I almost finished the chapter. I actually didn't include the very last verse, but I went to 3.23. Uh, because 324 talks about the Spirit, and I'm going to use that to tie into this week's. Yeah, that, that's the only reason why I didn't do that. Yeah, that would be good. But um, the first thing that he basically says here is is in 311, for this is the message you've heard from the beginning, we should love one another, unlike Cain, or you. in some translations it says like sort of like, uh, like it's this idea of not Cain, or, or it's, yeah. it's, it's the ooh in Greek, right? Yeah. It's the negate, um, not not Cain, or uh, uh, like it's translated here, unlike Cain, yeah. who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. And um, I went uh, I went back to Genesis with this and kind of wanted to explain. Because I think, I, and I don't know, I didn't want to chase the rabbit too much here, guys, but I, I, I wanted to, I think some people... Probably, if they're anything like me, they've probably thought to themselves before, well, why is it that God accepts uh, Abel's offering, doesn't accept Cain's offering? And I, I actually think the answer to that question is relevant to what John's saying here as well. I mean, and, and because at the end of it all, well, I'll toss to you guys. Um, I told you what I, what I think about it. Um, why do you think that God accepts Abel's offering and doesn't accept Cain's? Actually, I had a professor one time of mine. She wasn't a believer. Um, she she had real problem with this. She's like, if God had just accepted Cain's offering, then none of this happens. Why does he have to? What what why, why won't he accept it? Like what what's wrong? What's wrong with his offering? If he you know she she was seeing it as God being very arbitrary, right? Yeah. And and just sort of being you know I, I accept yours, Blake, and I accept yours, Jeremiah. Right, and being petty. Um, I don't think that's what God's doing here. Um, clearly, because God's not petty, God's not arbitrary. 
So why is it that God accepts one and doesn't accept the other? Yeah, so uh, I guess I always thought um, that he accepted uh, Cain or he accepted Abel's and not Cain's because I assumed that Cain had did it wrong. That mm-hmm. Cain had sinned in his offering, mm. and actually, there's no real indication in the text that he he gave the wrong, and I'm doing air quotes, the wrong offering. Right. But it's it's clear, especially you quoted, I believe, when you look at Hebrews 11. Yep. Which, luckily for us, we have we're on this side of that. Right. right. We get Hebrews 11. Right. Um, we get a glimpse as to why why one was acceptable over the other, and we even see that later in in Abraham why he is chosen or why he is set aside and and God creates a covenant with him over say just anyone else in the world and it's because of that that five letter word that starts with an f uh, it's just because of faith yeah and really it's it's the heart of the issue it's the heart of the sacrifice so for Cain he gave the right thing but not with the right heart or with the right attitude yeah and it's, it goes back to, uh, like I said, Hebrews 11, where it talks about that it was by faith that Abel gave his uh, yeah. uh, portion, and it wasn't by faith that Cain gave his portion. And so it's always been the measure for, for God. It's always been by faith. Um, yeah. And I think Genesis, if you, if you read Genesis without that kind of lens, you get, you get kind of a... I think you just start from the the get go being mm-hmm. being wrong, interpreting wrong what God expects from people, and so you can see why someone who's not a believer or who's kind of in the world that sees that and is like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They both did the right thing, right? Right. And and then and God's like, it's not about who followed the rule necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's about who 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 had faith. Yeah. Who who had the correct heart or the the heart of the matter kind right of thing. i mean he even says to cain he says if you do what is right won't you be accepted yeah like yeah. He, he, but if you don't do what's right sin is crouching at the door it's desires for you but you must rule over it and then immediately cain says to his brother abel hey let's go out to the field yeah and it's so weird like it's almost like he he hasn't even sinned at this point yeah and, and, and it, it feels, somewhat it feels has been that, right he doesn't have it just says that god doesn't have regard for yeah. cain and his offering but it doesn't say that Cain had done anything wrong. Yeah. And, and in fact, God says, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? So you yeah. still have the opportunity, Cain, to do what's right. Will you do what's right, or are you going to do what's wrong? Yeah. You're, you know, the choice will be up to you, and, and Cain's going to choose to do what's wrong. And you wonder if, if, if God, and you're right, maybe God isn't talking about the offering when he says, if you do what is right. Maybe he's talking about Cain's heart, right? Yeah. King, if you do what's right, if you have faith in me, if you trust in me, then then you'll be accepted. Yeah. You will be accepted. It's the same thing that God says to us now. If you trust in my way, if you do what's right, if you trust in my offering that I'm giving to you and my son Jesus Christ, you will be accepted. If you don't do that, then sin's crouching at the door and its desire is for you and you must rule over it. So, yeah. Yeah, and it... Yeah, and I think it's a, I think it's good that we talked about faith because I think it really gets at like the, like the heart of what Cain was, you know, probably struggling with is his, you know, the motives weren't right. The 
uh, you know, because the Lord desires like a worshipful heart. Mm-hmm. And his, uh, I mean, he did the, you know, he did like, he gave that offering. Right. But, you know, the Lord also looks at the heart too. Yeah. And I think it's a good, I think it's a good uh, reminder for us to reflect on is how's our worship? Is it because of, uh, you know, is it to give glory to God or are we doing it out of obligation or mm. things where Cain might have felt some stuff like that? So I think it's a good uh, reflection passage here too on what's our worship like. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And and so when we go back to our text, John's saying to the church, um, you're supposed to love each other not like Cain, who was of the evil one. All right, so we can even say not like Cain, who had no faith, who was not one of faith, right? Yeah. And and so therefore Which, murdered his brother. Yeah. Right. Which I want to make a comment here, because uh, you're like, man, what he just straight up calls Cain. I think there's a precedent for him calling Cain the son of the evil one or whatever. Yeah, who because, was of the evil one? Because in the text, remember the prom, the first promise. Is right before the Cain and Abel story, mm-hmm. and the first promise talks about this the the seed mm-hmm. of the woman and the seed mm-hmm. of right. of Satan. Right, and so it's kind of like already from the beginning. You and then I think that I think that's why John calls him a son son of the evil one. Right, whatever. but but not in the sense that I, and and I think it's important because I think some people, especially because of movies and and, and other things. They sort of mythologize this in the sense that Cain is like some sort of you know spawn of Satan, right? Like like in 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 a and like so all the demons then are are children of Cain, and and that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about those who are who are um, who are God fearers, or we want to call them that, or 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 who are uh, faithful followers of God, and those who are not faithful followers yeah. of God. And Jesus makes it clear: Look, you if you are a faithful follower of God, then then the Heavenly Father is your father. If not, then then the devil is your father, and and he's yeah. the father of lies. And he he says that not in the sense of you were literally birthed from him, but rather yeah. that's who you are acting like. That's yeah. who you look like. And you know, going back to what last week's message about like breeds after like, right? Mm-hmm. And so um so yeah, so then you, you you get this clear delineation then between Cain being a person of no faith who has no regard then for his brother. Um and and he's saying we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like the person who who throws that off, um, because we are people of 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 righteousness, of faith, and so we want to do the opposite of what Cain did and care for our brother. And then I really like what he says: Don't be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. Um, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Jesus said that that was going to happen. I mean, Jesus was very clear in, in that you know if they hated me first, they're going to hate you. What I really like about that is, is I like to flip that around and go, do not be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you, but be surprised if your brother hates you, yeah. right? I mean, because the opposite would be true. Don't be surprised if the world hates you, but yeah, be surprised if your brother hates you because that should not be the expectation. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a, you know, I see like if your brother or sister is upset or mad with you or you're mad at them or something, you know, that's like the flashing lights. Like, you know that something's up right here. You know, that like there's something that something that's not going on. Right. And, and let's be clear. It, well. 
we're talking about hating someone, not disagreeing. Look, yeah. I think a lot of people get the idea that if I disagree with you, I hate you. Mm. That's not that's just not true. I mean, I can disagree with both of you guys, and 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 we we do we, we have disagreements. Um, we might even get into a, a, a very um, passionate disagreement with one another. Um, it, it may get so passionate that we we don't talk to each other for a couple of days or something. I'm not saying that's happened. I'm just saying that that's a possibility. I still wouldn't equate that with hate. Right, right. There's a, there's a difference between disagreement and hate. In fact, let's talk about that for a second. What is what's the difference there? How would you how would you guys define hate? Because I didn't spend time doing this, but I think it's a good thing to do. How if we're going to talk about love, then let's talk about its opposite, which is hate. What is hate? Mm. I'll let y'all handle that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just be honest with you. This verse, is, as a millennial, extremely convicting. Because a lot of what millennials... Millennials really push for people being real. Mm-hmm. But also for people being relevant. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to hear as a Christian... On the on the positive, the he says in the positive. So it's really hard to hear as a Christian that as a Christian, the world is going to hate you, mm-hmm. because I strive to be a person who wants to make the gospel attractive, right? right. Who right. who wants to be relevant in the world, because because just my my culture, my generation, if it's not relevant, then they just run from it. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just. If it's not relevant to their lives, they're, 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 they just, and I said, they, I mean me, I, I just don't, I just push it to the side. Sometimes I even make fun of it or I say it's traditional or whatever. And so for this, this verse is just extremely convicting for me because I don't want the world to hate me. I, yeah. I, I, feel, I see myself as like this bridge between between God and the world, like, like as God's ambassador, which is other language elsewhere. Sure. Um, and so I think your definition of hate is going to have to play into other texts of scripture where you're in the world, but not of the world. Right. Do they really, do they hate me? Do they hate? So, yeah. And that's, so, and I, I would say too, Jeremiah, cause I, I feel the same way you do about that, by the way, I, I would say he's saying, don't be surprised if the world hates you. But what he, what he's not saying is, is that. Oh, the world is always going to hate you. Yeah. There's a difference between the. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I, mean, yeah. I think I think I think there are times where um, Christians are a friend to the world. I can think of, I can think of even atheists. Um, Daniel Dennett comes to mind who can appreciate the the good things that say the church does um, for society and for culture as a whole, and so. In that sense, there are those who are on the other side who are definitely in the world, right, and have no regard for Christianity whatsoever, but who um, at times will still say, "Oh, you're because you're human, right? You're still um, I still have regard for you. I have compassion." What I think he's saying is, is don't expect the world though to be self-sacrificial for you. Yeah. Right, because remember the kind of love we're talking about is this agape kind of love, this this self-giving love. Yeah. Don't expect the world 
don't be surprised if the world doesn't do that for you. Yeah. Because it doesn't agree with where you're at. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, I completely agree, right? I like the whole surprise. Don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes Christians fall into the trap of, well, they're not going to like me anyways. Yeah. They're going to hate me. Right, right. Like it's a promise that they're going to hate me. So I, and I shouldn't even try. I shouldn't even try to be relevant. I should just do my own thing. Or, or, or just the opposite. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go completely violent against the world. Yeah. But, you know, middle fingers up. Kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being, being, yeah. being a little facetious here. But you right. get what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. the idea of I'm just gonna be insulting and and rude to the world because the world's not gonna like me anyway. And you know, so be it. I mean, that. I mean, that's kind of like, and it's it's kind of a just an attitude of I'm better than you. Yeah. I I can't you've made your bed lie in it mm-hmm. kind of kind of attitude like yeah. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. So but I but I also agree that sometimes you've got people who are just like, well, I'm I you know, I've used this example and I've probably used it on the podcast before because I love it so much. But it's 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 one of my favorite analogies, and it comes from Leonard Sweet, who when he talks about being in the world but not of the world, but still in the world, right? Yeah. The idea of if if the world is a fishbowl, um, and then what is what is uh, Christianity in this fishbowl? And if, and, and if, if especially if the water is culture, let's say the fishbowl is there and it's full of water and it's full of the culture, then where does Christianity sit? And he says, so many people think that it's the rock at the bottom of the fishbowl because we can't be the culture. If we're the culture, then we don't even stand out. If we're just more water, then there's nothing about us that stands out at all, right? There's nothing about us that differentiates us from, from the, rest of, the rest of culture. And we're clearly supposed to be in culture, but not of culture. So we have to be different from the culture. So then people say, okay, we have to be the complete opposite of culture then. We need to be the rock at the bottom of the bowl yeah. and, and be so isolated from culture that we stand out as different. Yeah. And while there's supposed to be some differences, that sort of attitude isolates us to the point that there is no bridge, to use your word again, between us and our culture. There's no bridge between us and the world. Um, and what, what, what Sweet says is that, no, what we need to be is we need to be the fish in the bowl. Because what the fish does is it's definitely not the same thing as the water, right? Certainly did something totally different from the water. But it's moving about in the water. It's breathing the water in and out. In fact, it needs the water for its survival. And so and there's this. it's in this sort of... Symbiotic relationship, right, with the water, and that's what that's what he says. We need to be with culture. We can't be so separated from culture, so completely opposite of our culture that we have no bearing in it. But we have to be able to move about it, breathe in it, but then stand out as something that's totally different from it. I, I like that picture. And I think cultural appropriation. I mean, it's it's really important as we're. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. As we're uh, yes, we're doing our mission. As we're like trying to share the gospel with people and knowing people like. Um, I was actually just reading about this in a book by Tim Tennant the other day, and uh, it reminded me like with 
people in the West, you know, if we're talking about Jesus, we might say it more in like a story or make it like more relatable to people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't change the content, but you can change some of the ways you say it. Sure. Um, but we're probably not going to walk up to somebody and be like, uh, he's the son of David, he's the lamb of God, believe on him. They're going to pr- probably be like, what are you talking about? Like, why is he this lamb? You know, right. but in a Jewish culture, that would work. Mm-hmm. That would work. But for us, you know, telling maybe like in a story, maybe would work better because we love story. But if you go and use uh, different languages and different lingo in here, it's going to be like, what are they, what, you know, we're going to be, we're going to seem super, super weird. Right. And not like in line with the culture. Yeah, you need to be and, culturally relevant. Right. And being culturally relevant is very important to, like, to our mission. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree entirely with that. Well, anyway. What I, um, what I, what I, um, I guess I don't like about kind of some of this is I, I guess I've seen some of the abuses by Christians because mm-hmm. uh, they're like, like I said, they don't even think they should try because the world's going to hate them and they wear, right. wear kind of like a badge of honor. Yeah. Like, oh, they hate me. That that means I'm doing something right. Mm-hmm. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, no. And a lot of times they hate you because you're a jerk. No, I mean, just to be straight up, we like, yeah. maybe it's they hate you because you're too, I don't know, you hold on to Second Amendment rights too much. That's that's why. Which right. has nothing to do with your Christianity. Right. You're just being a jerk. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? No, or or just any other example like that. And right. so, like I said, for me, this text is actually super relevant yeah like it's because it, it, i i, I want to be one that i understands that the world at times is going to hate me be- right but i want to make sure that the world hates me because of my christianity right not because i'm a jerk yeah no that's 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 really good well and i just i just got back from uh daytona a couple of days ago and i've been to some races that weren't talk like some of these fundamental christian groups are going to come into like uh yeah. The like on the roads and like the uh, uh, walkways and stuff like that, and you know they've got like megaphones and yeah. signs, and you know I I don't mind them handing out gospel tracts. They're doing it lovingly. I don't mind that. Right. I think you know me personally, I'm probably not going to just hand a random person a gospel yeah. tract. But you know it to sometimes it teaches on. But with these, you know, with some of these people I've seen, like even at the place I've gone to, they're dressed up, suit and tie. Let me tell you, ain't no race fan dressed up in suit and ties. Right, right. And, um, and you've got these people like yelling in a microphone, like looking at people and like hearing like the language they use and like almost like throwing out condemnation and condemnation. Yeah, and, so you know, talking about you know how they're going to spend eternity in hell and and like there's a way to say the truth, but you also should say it in love too. Yeah, and I. You know, and that's just like something that came to mind. I, no, no, that's that, a good that, point. I, I wonder, man. I, I want to be careful because I, I understand the motive behind some of these open air preachers. Right, and I do too. But I, I wonder how effective a strategy it is, especially in our culture today, and especially with the way that it's done. It's almost as if they're treating it like they're a Old Testament prophet whose job it is, and you got to remember, most of those Old Testament prophets were going to the people of God, right? Yeah. Who were already the people of God right. and telling them, hey, you know this stuff already. You're you're supposed to be behaving a certain way, and you're not doing it. And so yeah. um, 
I, I guess you know you have the one instance where Jonah's told to go and preach to um, to to a nation that's not the people of God. But even there, you don't get the idea that he was open air preaching. He was just like repent, you know, you know the, and and so I, man, I don't know. I, I, I and get, it comes I, across as hateful a lot of times in our culture today. Yeah. I just I don't think it's an effective strategy. I think it's I think it's probably the wrong so tack to take. I don't. I, I'm like you. I, I don't have a problem next. with people loving on people, being there and offering to pray with people. Uh, hand right. out, you know, if you want to hand out a gospel track while you're doing that, that's great. But let's let's not let's not get on megaphones and start preaching about, you know, how all you people are walking into this race. One day you're going to walk into the he- in, in the gates of hell if you don't. When that's what they were doing on Sunday too, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh my gosh! And, and I lot- just don't I don't know that that's in the. It's true, okay. It's is true. Is that the most effective way to get the gospel out? I, 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 I tend to disagree. And but that's that's, but, but maybe it's a personal preference. And I agree with you too, because you go around these Bible tracks, they're on the they're on the ground, you know. Yeah. They're on the ground, and people, and that's basically people's response to the hatred, you know. And I'm not saying every single one of them's hateful, you know. In all those instances, not even the one I'm talking about. But, I mean, this is not like going into the. This is not like going into the the Greek marketplace of ideas, right? Right. Like, right. If they're there to watch a NASCAR race. Let's be real. They're not there to to to, to philosophize and 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 talk about theology and talk about their th- their ideas of God. They're they're there to watch cars go round and round a track and right. cheer on their favorite. And honestly, I just I it, I don't know. I I don't want to call it sinful, but if to me, if I'm in a different perspective, and again, I, I can't separate myself from being millennial. I want people to be real. Right, right. If you really believe what you're screaming from that megaphone, why wouldn't you want to befriend me and tell me that way? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, no. Why, I agree why, with I that. mean, how much do you not care about me to just yell it and make me accountable for something and then not... Yeah. You know, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like, I do. Yeah, but here's here's the thing, and... and, and, and I think this leads into okay. Well, um, and this this is all relevant to the topic on love anyway. So we'll, we'll keep going with this. But yeah. I know we're chasing a little bit of a rabbit here. Uh-huh. But I, it's the same thing with I, I think there's a tightrope we walk here because on one end I absolutely agree with you. I don't if 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 you really believe what you're what you're shouting, if you really believe that truth, then why not share it with me as a friend? But then there's the opposite side that says, okay, I'm not going to do open-air preaching. I'm not doing door-to-door evangelism, but I'm not doing any evangelism now, yeah. right? I'm not going to – I'm not doing any disciple-making. Um, and, and so on one end, these guys who are open-air preaching, at least they are still – They're trying something. They're trying something. I think some of us – But I think so. – I think some of us who, like me, I prefer relationship discipleship, right? I, mean, yeah. I like building relationships, but yeah. – that's a slower process, and that's also um, it, it takes a lot more initiative on our part. And I don't know that we always have initiative in that direction. I mean, you know, I've got um, it, it takes being inten- intentional about it, and I don't know how much intentionality we put towards that. Yeah. If I'm being real, and I think it goes right back to to motives. A lot of Christianity goes back to motives. Yeah, because if your motive is just I need to do evangelism. I'm going to go do it like this mm. just to check it off. Right. 
Because that's what it feels like. To me, that's what open-air preaching feels like. I preach to 100 people today. Yeah. Look, look at me. You see what I'm saying? I see you get bragged on on Facebook. Yeah. Like, I've got friends of mine who are open-air preachers. Or, well, some students of mine that, yeah. you know, who are open-air preachers. But you're right. Um, though, though. And those guys are all about blasting it on Facebook and, and talking about, you know, yeah, I just, and I'm like, are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you doing it, you know... Kudos to you for being brave and bold in, in the gospel. And trying something. And trying something. Right. I mean, right. And if your motives are pure, yeah. I, I don't. I really don't have a problem with it. But if your motives are pure, you're probably going to lean not on the, not heavy hell, but yeah. heavy Jesus loves you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's... I just, I, I just see a lot of talk about sin and wretchedness and stuff, which is true, okay? Yeah. It's true. But I, you know, and you think about it, those guys who are doing that, like I was watching these guys and they were doing it in front of the, because the NBA All-Star game was up in Ohio. So it's real close to Kentucky. So some of those guys that I know from Kentucky were going up and doing this and then they post about it on Facebook. It's part of what's got out of my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm watching and these people, are, they did it right outside the NBA All-Star game. Yeah. So these people are walking by and they're only getting a snippet of what you're saying. And you better have, I mean, unless you've got a really good snippet, right? They're only hearing, they might only hear the judgment part of everything. They, they, they never hear the Jesus part. Yeah. Because that's not what you're saying, right? It, it, it just so happens that while this guy's walking by, all he's hearing you do is rain down judgment and not give any, or talk about how wretched of a sinner he is. And then he's never hearing the gospel. He's never hearing the other part of that. And you say, okay, well, that's his fault for not stopping and listening. But that's not what he's there to do anyway. He's there to go. He's probably bought, he spent money on these tickets. He's going into the venue, right? Yeah, right. I, I, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I just don't. Well, again, I admire those guys for doing it. I, I really do, and and kudos to them for 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 being brave and going and 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 proclaiming the gospel. And I think, honestly, I know them, and I think their motives are, are pure. I don't want I don't want to question their motive. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't know their hearts. I just don't know how effective it is. That's all. That's that that's all I'm saying about it. I just don't know how effective it is. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So anyway, um, enough on that, I guess. And um, <laughs> sorry. But no, well, you know, no, it's it's good, right? I mean, that's, just that's, where the, a, that's, exactly. that's where the conversation went. Yeah. I, um, to 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 go back to what John was saying here in this, one thing that I was trying to point out is that I think I see a lot of people, even within the church, who make the their decisions on on love and who I'm going to love and who I'm going to self sacrificially love, based on other things other than Christianity. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's problematic in the church. And to your point earlier, we tend to love the people we agree with. Yeah. And we tend to hate the people we disagree with. Yeah. And by hate, let's just, you know, I'm not talking about like violence. I'm not talking about um, saying nasty things to them. I'm talking about the lack of self-giving love, right? The lack of, it's the opposite of self-giving love. It's yeah. about, you know, I, I, I can look at your needs. I can look at you and I just... I can just look away from you because I don't really care about whether or not you're doing okay or not. Yeah. You know, that to me, that's, that's, that's the opposite of love. That would be hate. Right. And we're told not to do that, not to do that with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we should have, especially with our brothers, especially with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
I think um, this particular text that I was looking at in First John deals primarily. I think John is speaking to the church. Yeah, I agree. When we get into this love and action part, which we'll, we're about to right now, um, I, I think it's. I think those words are for the church. But I think elsewhere in Scripture, there's there's clear direction to love our neighbor, right? To, and that includes even those who are not in the church, not yet believers. Um, but man. How much, how much worse of a witness is it that even the people who agree with you in, in terms of your, the grounds of your faith, right. even people who agree with you, you treat poorly. Mm. Then if someone from the outside looks at that and they see you treating your fellow brother or sister in Christ poorly, then they're really going to have very little regard. I mean, even at... <laughs> like. If I join a country club or if I join some sort of social group, right, or some meetup group or something, I mean, there are plenty of those kinds of groups like fan meetup groups and things like that, right? Right. If I go and join one of those, um, I would expect that that those people are going to love on me because we, we agree on some things and we're going to be friends and we're going to hang out and we're going to enjoy each other's time. And so if I, if, I, if I, as an outsider, went to one of those and saw that man, there's a lot of backbiting in this group and there's like, they clearly don't really follow what they, you know, this isn't a fun group to be with at all, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same, I think, with Christianity. If if all they ever see from the outside is Christians biting each other who are supposed to be defined by love, not exhibiting love towards one another, like, like ignoring one another's needs and stuff, then why would I even want to be a part of that? Yeah. What does that say about God? What What does that say about the God they supposedly serve? What does that say about Him and His love? Yeah. Because you always going to remember the church is supposed to be the testimony of the gospel. Right. Yeah. Right. The the walking, breathing, living testimony of the gospel. And if it's not, then then or or if we're sending the wrong message, then we're doing disservice not just to ourselves, but we're doing disservice to the gospel. Yeah. And uh, wasn't it John? In the gospel that said, uh, they will know you are my disciples. By the way you love one by another, By the way right? you love yeah. one another. Yep. And that's, I mean, again, pointing to his gospel. Like, he's just saying the same thing here. Like, yep. Look, if you if you don't love each other, the world the world's going to see that. Yep. And he says that's evidence that you don't actually belong to God. It's like saying with your kids talk. Yeah. It's like saying my favorite color is red. But then, when given the choice to color something whatever you want, you don't use red, right? Because for whatever I mean, <laughs> it must mean that your favorite color is not red. It's the same with Christianity. Yeah. To say that you love someone, but or, or to say that you are a Christian or that you belong to God, but don't show love, means that you you don't actually belong to God. It yeah. means that your faith is futile. It's as James would call it, dead. Yes. Because it, it's without action. It's without love. Right. <laughs> and, and, and so we do this because, and you know, the, John outlines this for us, and he says this is how we come to know love. He laid down his life for us. Yeah. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. And so this fell under that second point that I made, which is that your Savior is your example. And by the way, I don't, I don't think that's hyperbole. No, I I don't think it maybe means literal, but figuratively, I think he lit he literally 
Figuratively, I think he literally means. <laughs> I know that's confusing, but I think he means that we should we should live lives of self-sacrifice. Yes, and yeah. maybe not to the point of death, but I think we should at least be willing. Yeah, I mean to be honest with you, and and that's when when we we didn't really define hate too much earlier, because uh, I I got y'all sidetracked, but. When I when I understand, I, I don't think you can understand hate until you understand love, right? Mm-hmm. And and really, hate is just anything that's not that self-sacrificial, unconditional love. So sometimes hate could even be what I would call conditional love, mm. love with condition. Yeah, could be a form of. Of hate, hate or, right, or or partial, right? Yeah, yeah, you see what I'm saying. And hate yeah. can also sometimes mean like you love less than right somebody else. And like yeah. uh, I know you like to quote Philippians two, yeah. But Philippians two, that uh, verse five, starts with have the same mind as Christ, mm-hmm. and then and then outlines for us this self-sacrificial, like emptying of myself, yep, so that I can serve others, yep. And I just I think in general, Christians like we're not we don't we're not very good at this. Humans humans just aren't very good at this. But even Christians, I think we we know what we want, we want it, and we fight for that. Mm-hmm. And and that's what leads to a ton of fights. Is is a lot of preference, a lot of me putting my needs or my wants above everyone else. And unfortunately, that means that the people who are actually trying to practice unconditional love, they get walked on. Yeah. And the reason I know this is because it happens to me. I know I've been walked all over because I tried to practice self-sacrificial love. And that, that's not gonna. I'm not going to stop. Right. That's the example of my creator. I mean, the person who got walked on the most. Yeah. Right? And that's right. the example. Yep. But I think in the church... The more we self-sacrificially love each other, the more unity we will have. Oh yeah, I, that should go without saying, right? I mean, if if I just if, think if, we... all, if I'm always get, you know, it should be less a competition of me getting what I want and more a competition of, you know, not well, it should yeah. be competition yeah. at all, but, but but more of how how much more can I give of myself, you know? And I think the world, I think in general, we teach that the more we agree. The more we all want the same things, that will bring more unity. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bible teaches, no, the more you self-sacrifice with your wants and even sometimes your needs, mm-hmm. that's what brings the most unity. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I, I quoted, I quoted like I think I used three different passages to kind you of show. You quoted 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, well, I did. Actually, here, though, um, I... Yeah, actually, I talked about First Corinthians thirteen in the worship set when I talked about oh, faith, really? hope, and love, and, and, oh, okay. and love abides. Yeah, but when I was talking about being um, being like um, being like God uh, or being, our Savior being our example, um, in Ephesians five, he says, uh, "Walk in love as Messiah also loved us and gave Himself for us, a oh, sacrificial yeah. and fragrant offering to God." Yeah. In Colossians three twelve through thirteen, I won't read all of it, but it, it, he talks about accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Mm. Um, and then the really long passage that I read, which was from First Peter two uh, twenty through twenty five, which starts with the whole because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in His steps. And then it outlines 
how he set the example for us. And I went through some of those, including, including, you know, things like, um, when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. Um, you know, he himself bore our sins in his body so that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. Um, and then, you know, you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And so you have, and all of this you have as Jesus sets the example of how to forgive. Jesus sets the example of how to be self-sacrificing in your love. He sets the example of how to live righteously, you know, all that. He should be our model. Um, nothing else should be our model. Um, and I think we take as our model sometimes other things, other people, other messages. Um, and maybe we do it unconsciously too. But really, Jesus Christ should be the model. And if he is the model, if he is the example, then you are going to see Jeremiah more self-sacrificial stuff in the church. It, it should be the case that that's what you see. It's just because we are still in these bodies that have desires, that have, we're still, we're still human, right? And so we're, we still are somewhat broken and we have to fight against that. I mean, James said it. Where do the quarrels come from among you? It comes because of the desires that wage war in you. I mean, it's, it's, it's the desires that you have that causes the arguments. Yeah. That's it. But if we have Jesus as our example, we set him as the, as the precedent and as the model, then it, it changes things. But I think that takes intentionality on our part. I don't think that comes naturally. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think self-denial is a, is a fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do it. And not only is it a fruit of the Spirit, I argue, maybe no one else agrees, but mm-hmm. I argue that self, self-denial self is a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. I think it should be a spiritual, something that we practice. Is it not listed as one of the spiritual disciplines? No. Well, there's tech. So the problem with that is there's no scriptural list of disciplines. Right. There's no like one place you can go to and say because hey, fasting is isn't fasting considered a spiritual discipline? Yeah. So that's I mean that's a form of self denial. Right. Well, yeah. Jesus said, uh, "Take up your cross and follow me daily,", daily. Yeah. which is mm-hmm. you know like a daily. But in discipline. like all of the the authoritative books or right. the lists of spiritual disciplines, they don't add. They don't have like a self denial. Hmm. It, it's it's that's I guess like you said implied in fasting. But I think literally, especially Christians in America, because we have so much. We have right. so much self-gratification. We get whatever we want. Literally the other day, I wanted, I can't. I think it was like some Oreos or whatever. And I can go a hundred different places and get them yeah. within like two minutes. Yeah. And now if you don't even want to go, you can, uh, I think DoorDash will literally go to Dollar General and get them for you. <laughs> it's like, hard. It, I mean, it's insane, I mean, it's, right? Yeah. It's instant gratification is just... So I think as Christians, randomly, I think it's just sometimes you should just tell yourself no. Yeah. And as a practice, as a discipline. Yeah. And I'm not saying do that because you're going to get any more favor from God. That's not what disciplines are, in my opinion. I think disciplines are things that 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 we see Christ done as an example that we should do to to supplement our uh, so, sanctification. So let me tell you a place that I think that it's intended for us to put this into practice so that we can practice it more in in the body, um, and and that's that's in the in, in within the confines of marriage. See, I think marriage is a, a laboratory 
for what we should see in in corporate worship. So if I practice, for instance, self-denial in in things with in matters with my wife, right? In matters with my family, if I don't have to get my way every time and I and I compromise and I learn to negotiate or if I practice forgiveness and offering grace or offering mercy or maybe you know uh, maybe my wife isn't feeling great and so she needs somebody else to do the things that she normally does and I volunteer to do that without her asking me how much easier it is it is it and, and you can speak to this you're married too how much easier would it be then to practice that with the body, right? Yeah. With, with with people in that you meet with on Sunday morning, the corporate worship. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I agree. So I think that's a really good place. I think, and in fact, I think that was, I think that's the intent it's of deserved. marriage. It might be, maybe take a step further, maybe the intent of family. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah, I agree. Practicing, because we, we do. You may not see it, but we make major sacrifices for our family that we probably wouldn't do. Yeah. And, and sometimes you make sacrifices that may even be sinful mm. for your family, and you believe it's justified because it's for your family. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to chase that rabbit hole. Right. But I think, like for instance, I don't want to give examples, but I know there are things that I kind of look past or I show grace to in my family that I wouldn't necessarily do for even another church member. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? We yeah. we tend to like kind of pull the sheep's wool over or whatever. Right, right. When it comes to like, man, that, that's my brother. I, I got to love him unconditionally. Right. And I think that that's good practice. Yeah. Obviously, you should do that in your marriage as well. Right. But it's good practice for the church. And that's one of the reasons I call it a discipline because I think disciplines are things that start hard mm-hmm. and over time become easier. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the I point of agree. discipline. Right. So even prayer, reading your Bible, memorizing scripture, all there's things. things that are kind of a grind at the beginning. Yeah. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Right. But well, that's like beforehand we were talking about uh, like exercise and like workouts. Oh. And yeah. Things that uh things that start out really hard. I think of like a um, like I played football in high school, and we would do uh, like bear crawls and burpees and stuff with pads on in August when it's 90 degrees and humid outside. It was right. measurable. It was measurable. Did it ever get easier? Yeah, a little bit. But still, even then, it was still tough. You know, you got to right. gotta make it like a practice, you know, a practice of doing it and uh, make it like a habit. Yeah. And then when those uh, spiritual disciplines almost become, quote-unquote, like spiritual habits, that's yeah. when – that's when you're like the ball's rolling. You have that's to, when... it, you know, thinking about like um, what you're just saying there with, with, with going to the gym or working out or doing those kind, any of those kind of good habits that you're trying to, the, 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 the victory happens when you manage to weave it into the fabric of your life, right? So that yeah. it becomes a part of what you do. So it's, it's, it's now, it's no longer something that is optional. It's, it's something that's woven into what I, what I do. Um, and and that's where you want to get with with these things as well, including self sacrificial love. Not just saying that you love somebody, but actually doing it. Which gets to this third point, which I, I said your service is your evidence. Yeah. Um, and and um, and and, and I, I use service there uh, for for a particular reason because 
service to me is when you put love into, or you're, you're putting words into action. Serve, it's hard to serve with just your words. You right. serve, if, if I say it's your service, I'm implying that it's, it's, action. it's action that you're, it's, it's some sort of actionable thing that you're doing, right? Um, it might involve your words, but you're doing something. Yeah. It's not just you're saying something, you're doing something. And that's what John's saying. He said, if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but shuts off his compassion from him, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, we must not love in word or speech, but in deed and truth. Mm. Um, and I can stop there because I think there's a whole lot to say about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's clear that John's talking about, um, you know, using again my little children's sermon, you know, not just saying that this, you know, you love somebody, but showing that you actually love someone. Yeah. Um, there's a big difference between those two things. Yeah. And apparently you didn't quote 1 Corinthians 13 here, but right. <laughs> it, it applies because it, it literally says things like, you know, you could you could say all the right words, but yep. if you don't show love, mm. it's pointless. Yep. You can, uh, it, this is a Jeremiah's paraphrase, but you can sing the most beautiful song and make the most beautiful melody, but if you don't love, it's pointless. It, yeah. It's not beautiful at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, he talks about clinging, clinging, Symbols or whatever. Yeah, clang, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's like clanging symbols. It's, yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It's, yeah. it's it's noise. It's just noise. If you don't have, if love isn't the motivator. Yeah, that's right. And 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 the thing that that stood out to me in this, guys, and and I brought it out in the message, is that um, it goes on down because then he. I'll be honest with you. Nineteen through twenty three gets a little tricky in, interp- in interpretation um, and um, because at least my translation here, I'll just read the way it's translated in the HCSB. It says, that's how we will know we are of the truth and will convince our hearts in his presence or some translations are our consciences in his presence. Yeah. Because if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Um, I think the the translation that that I had of this um, actually reads slightly different. It says, "Dear friends, if our conscience doesn't condemn us, we have uh, confidence before." Oh, that that's the HCSB. Yeah, that's HCSB. Uh, oh no, even if our conscience condemns us, that God is greater than our conscience, and He knows all things. That's the translation I originally had there. Um, yeah. um, th- this one is slightly different than what I'm reading from. It, they're both HCSB, but they they changed that language. Mm. Um, and then twenty. Um, and then, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and can receive whatever we ask from Him because we keep His commands and do what is pleasing in His sight. And so, the thing that stood out to me out of all this, and we can talk about this a little bit, is. It's clear to me that when we're talking about being in the presence of God, we're talking about prayer primarily. Yeah. And this this notion of if you are withholding goods or let's not even say just physical things, but even immaterial things like forgiveness and love and grace and mercy, if you're withholding those things from some from from a Christian brother or sister willingly, knowingly doing that. Um then when you come into the presence of God and you go to pray, how 
how bold are you going to be about asking yeah. for the same things that you're withholding? Because you know you can fool everybody else. You can't fool God. Yeah. God knows your. God knows you, um, and so um, it's going to be a lot harder, I think, to ask God for forgiveness when you're not willing to give forgiveness. Yeah. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a whole lot harder to ask God for help when you weren't willing to give help. Whole lot, not to say that He would withhold it from you, because I think God's greater than that. I don't think God's going to do that. But you're just going to have you're not going to be as bold about coming to Him and asking Him for those things. Yeah. Um, and so your service becomes your evidence. If That's you right. practice forgiveness, then you you can be bold about asking God for forgiveness. Bold in the sense that you don't have to be ashamed about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you practice giving, then when you go to your heavenly Father and ask Him for help, then then there, there's there's no shame in doing that. Yeah. Does that that that's what I take from this? And yeah. maybe I maybe I misread this or in, misinterpreted it. I read it a lot to try and get to what yeah. John's saying, but that's where that's what I walked away with. Kind of like saying, you know, if I could put it in words, you know, this is what your conscience is saying, but basically saying, God. I know that I'm not very giving, but could you give? You see, like yeah, yeah. Like I know that I don't show great forgiveness. To be honest with you, I pray this sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think John's trying to say, look, if your conscience, even if if you're not actually saying it with your words, your conscience has this like kind of guilt built in. And you're not as bold. You don't request. You don't. You don't ask boldly, which I think points again to James too. Which yeah. James is like, you don't ask or you don't receive because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't ask boldly. You don't, right, ask, you don't ask in good conscience, right. basically. And so, yeah, it's almost like saying exactly what I said. Uh, like God, I know I I'm not very good at forgiving, or I don't forgive. But could you? Could you know? Could and are you going to be bold enough to say that to him? Or are you yeah, you like, wouldn't. It would be your conscience. Yeah. Your your. It would be indirect. I think you're going to hesitate to ask him for forgiveness if you yeah. don't give forgiveness. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying there are times. Certainly, there are times where I I don't do things, and and when I re- recognize that and I admit that to God, I think God. I, I think at that point, God. You know, yeah. in my prayer life, confession always. Right. I always start with confession. But if you're not confessing, let's say yeah. you're not confessing, and you yeah. know that you've done something that you shouldn't have, you know, you know that you should have done something rather that you didn't do. Yeah. You saw your brother in need, but you didn't go and help him out, and you know that you're going to be, um, unless you're willing to admit that. You know, and, and admit it to God, you're going to be hesitant to go to Him, and so now you've hurt. Not just your relationship with your brother, you've hurt your relationship with your father, yeah. with your heavenly father, because you're not going to him. Will you're not going to him the way that he wants you to, because you don't feel that you can go to him that way, because you withheld and you feel guilty about that. Yeah, you know, and so um, I mean, we're not trying to give people a formula for, hey, if you need things from God, make, no, no, make no. sure you you're right. giving. No, this has more to do with. I, this has more to do with the relationship, my relationship yeah. with God, not God's relationship with me or yeah. God's willingness with me because we don't earn anything that we get it's, from God. It's more 
we're talking more relationship terms than yeah than transactional yeah right like you know for instance and I think like God I, owes me because I built up credit over here right right so you know if 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 um I don't know you know if I if if I if I was uh, if I helped Blake out or something you know and um, and then uh, I I refuse to help you out. Um, or let's say um, I refuse to help Blake out, right? And and then I Blake asked me for five dollars. So we'll go this way. Blake asked me for five dollars. I'm like, and I have it. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to give it to you, Blake, right? And then later on, you and I are out at Taco Bell, and my I only have five dollars on me, and my bill's up at ten. You know, and we were all in the same room together. It's gonna be a whole lot harder for me to go to you and go, hey, Jay, can you give me five dollars, <laughs> right? Because because you know. Like, I know that you were there in the room when Blake asked me for the same thing, and I told him no. Yeah. Right? How how much, you know. And now Blake's finding out you had five dollars. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, like this right. is jacked up. Right. And, 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 and more so, like, am I going to be willing to, am I literally going to have, you know, the, the, the guts to come to you and say, hey, can I borrow five dollars when I wasn't willing to give five dollars to my brother earlier mm-hmm. right in front of you? And I think that that's what John's getting at with God. Like, it's it's the same sort of thing. Oh, Blake had a need, but now, you know, how, how you know, you weren't willing to give him, but you're going to come to me and ask me to give you what you weren't willing to give to him. Yeah. And, I, and, and I think that probably I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss out on blessing. But anyway, I think, I think that's what he's getting at. Um, and then he reassures us that God knew our conscience to begin with. He knew our hearts. Yeah, God God knows yeah. and, and we know that and God that's knows why that. It says he's greater than yeah, yeah. your conscience. Like, exactly. And not just that, he I don't believe that God bases his decisions on our decisions. Now No. I don't want to get discussion on prayer and whether God No. Like answers prayer based right. on what we request and all that. That's not what I'm saying. I, I just don't think that God chooses to show grace based on whether we showed grace. No, to use my example again, it would be like, you know, if I had, you know, if I, Blake had asked me for $5, I told him no, and then I go to you and I ask I ask you for that extra five, you know, if I, if you're standing in the position of God, right, then, then I'm not saying that you would say no to me. I think God sometimes gives us even what we would ask, even though we weren't willing to give it to someone else. Yeah. And he might can he might convict us over that, right? Yeah. yeah, I'll give this to you, but why didn't you give that to Blake earlier? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you had it to give to him. Why didn't you do it then? Or, or God's like, I gave you the original five. <laughs> you didn't use it for what I wanted. Right, you. right, right. It's like so, but you get what you get the yeah, point that I'm, I'm getting at there. But yeah, I think I think all that's accurate. All right. Well, look, this has been a good discussion, guys, and we've chased a, a few rabbits there, but uh, they've been they've been good. It's, it's been, been fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been fun. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for us today. Um, we're at an hour and two minutes here, so that's plenty of time for you guys to listen to us. Um, next week, uh, we'll be talking about uh, again the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be talking about how the Spirit guides us uh, to truth. And, and our sensitivity to that truth. Um, and so we'll be talking about that and the Holy Spirit and its role in our lives. So, um, yeah, we'll be talking about following a different guy. Um, so until then, though, you all have a great rest of your week. And we'll look forward to uh, coming together again 
next week. Um, and until then, uh, yeah, have a great week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. So long.